0: Not long ago, I was standing in line at checkout at Walmart, and one of the customers ahead of me was paying with a check. And so you know what happens when somebody typically wants to pay with a check. The cashier who's new had to get it okayed by a manager. And I remember she just waved it in the air at uh, the direction of another cashier who obviously was a higher up in the Walmart chain and said, I need approval. And the guy just turned and he looked and he said, your hair looks really nice today. (laughs) You know, that's probably not the kind of approval that she was looking for. But, you know, we all go through times when we feel a need uh, for approval by other people. This picture didn't show up very well, I guess, but maybe some of you remember a movie. is called What About Bob? And that's... uh, Bill Murray peering through the screen door. Uh, he followed his psychiatrist, who was played by Richard Dreyfuss, all the way to his vacation home, constantly begging for attention. In fact, when he was told they couldn't come in, he stands at that screen with his face plastered up and said, I need I need I need I need. Now, we may never go to that extreme, but I think there are times in our lives when we feel like we need approval from other people now if this is you that you really need approval by other people then maybe what you need to do is settle once and for all uh, that there's something better and maybe what you really need to do is memorize a Bible verse put it in your heart uh, put it in your head and repeat it to yourself every day until it takes hold of you now what Bible verse might I recommend that you memorize it would be that one Galatians 1 verse 10 Am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still striving to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I think this is a matter that every believer needs to settle as quickly as possible. And It is, who am I trying to impress in my life? I mean, whose applause do I really need? Now, I think that most of us probably know the answer to that question what we really need is God's applause I and mean, we need God's approval. We need we really don't need anyone else's. Now, that's easy for us to say, but that is really hard for us to do. And the reason that we need approval from other people is that quite often we don't fully approve of ourselves. I mean, many people simply do not like themselves. And boy, I tell you, you don't have to watch television much today and realize that, you know, if you're not skinny as a rail or about 25 years old, you're not much of anything. And people look at themselves and they say, well, I'm never going to look like her. I'm never going to look like him. And, you know, I'm just I'm bad. And when you don't like yourself then you start looking to other people for approval. And the problem is that other people's approval is never, ever quite enough uh, because not everybody is going to like you as much as you probably need them to like you. I heard an interview a couple years ago with Jerry Seinfeld. You know, who he is a comedian and he he said something that really kind of surprised me. And I guess it would probably be true of even pastors or other public speakers. uh, But he said that he could be speaking in front of a packed audience Everybody laughing, except there's one person in the audience who's sitting there with a frown on his face. And he said, and I don't just notice the guy, I actually start obsessing about it. He said, even after the show, I keep asking myself, what's wrong with me? I mean, why didn't that guy like me? Why wasn't that guy laughing? Everybody else was laughing. Now, since you and I can emotionally distance ourselves from Jerry Seinfeld in that situation, We hear about that kind of comment and we say, well, that's crazy. Maybe the guy isn't laughing because he's got a headache. Uh, Maybe the guy isn't laughing because he just had a fight with his wife when they came into that nightclub or wherever it was. Or maybe he just doesn't understand what funny is really is. Or why can't a guy like him just enjoy the fact that everyone else thinks he's great and not worry about that one person who didn't enjoy the show? Well, it's easy to say this again when you're talking about somebody else. However, when it's you in the middle of it, it's kind of a different situation. Now, we're in the third of a four-week series called Approved, and we're looking at the topic of approval from all different sides. Now, if you can remember back far enough, in week number one, we looked at how you've been pre-approved by God. How God chose you before the beginning of time to be his, he chose us to be blessed, he chose you to be good, and he's given you everything you need to make that happen. Now, in the second week, we talked about how to live up to the name that God has given you. Uh, Not to learn how to uh, earn his acceptance or earn his love, but how to live up to the love and acceptance we've already received. Now, how do you do that? Well, I suggested a couple of things. I said, you become a student of the word. You train yourself to be a workman so that your life becomes kind of a payback for all that God has given you. Again, not to earn anything, but just it's his love. And now comes our response. And you may remember that I challenged you to spend a few minutes in the Bible at the beginning of each day for the next 10 days. Now, I've been gone for that long, so I'd ask the question, how are you doing? Have you started that? Well, in week three, that's today, we are going to take a look at self-approval kind of overcoming the need for approval of other people and learning how to pass what I would call a mirror check. Now, what exactly is a mirror check? Well, it's the test you take when you look in the mirror and you decide whether or not you like the person looking back. Now, a couple of weeks back, uh, Josh and I went to Men's Warehouse in Southlake to buy new suits for his wedding. I don't like shopping for clothes and I put on that new suit I mean the first thing is I see how much it costs and I I buy clothes so seldom that I'm surprised you could buy a suit that costs more than fifty (laughs) dollars you know but when I saw it I when I got over the sticker shock and my wife says well I guess that's not so bad if we buy one get one but you know when they put that suit on you the first time and they haven't you're still holding your pants up because they haven't done everything to bring it in and the cups are draping over your boots and you're standing in that mirror where you can see your self from every which angle it ain't a pleasant look (laughs) And, and i just wish i could get out of there uh and i'd say i really don't like the way it looks well when we went back after they're all tailored you look and you go not bad well Uh, If you don't feel good about the person that you see in the mirror, you're probably going to spend the rest of your life trying to compensate for that. Maybe you compensate uh, by looking for love in all the wrong places, as that old song says. Or maybe you compensate by finding an escape in alcohol. Or maybe you compensate by trying to make everybody like you. I mean, always trying to be the life of the party. Or maybe you compensate by always bragging about yourself or compensate by always putting other people down. Now, these are the kind of ways people try to manipulate ourselves into kind of forgetting that we're not satisfied with the person looking back at us. And the problem is that none of these things really works. Now, not long ago, I was reading a book about a man who really wreaked havoc in his younger years. His life always managed to look relatively respectable on the outside, on the surface, but below the surface, this man had hurt a lot of people. He'd hurt his family, he'd hurt his friends, he'd hurt people in the church, and he had hurt his business partners. Today, in this article I read, he's still paying the price. He wrote that all too often he wakes up in the middle of the night, and the house is quiet, the kids are tucked in bed, his wife is sound asleep beside him, but he's wide awake, and all he can do is think about every dumb decision that he has ever made in his life. And this is what he wrote. He said, I'm not talking about the dumb decisions I made this week and dumb decisions I made a decade ago. They haunt me, and they taunt me and making it impossible for me to live with myself. And the more I think about everything I've done, the more disgusted I get with myself. And then he added this, I despise the person I've become you ever felt that way you ever looked at yourself and said I really don't like me I don't like the person I am now I'll be honest enough to say yeah I felt that way I wouldn't say maybe to this guy's extreme and I think probably all of us at one time or another said I just don't like this but for some people it happens so often in their lives uh, that it becomes kind of a way of life And the guilt and the shame and the regret kind of build up to the point where they think, I'll never be able to look at myself again. Now, what we're really talking about here is something that every last one of us here today have in common. We're all sinners. We all have a past. Not just you, not just the person sitting next to you, but the person who's sitting behind you and and even the person who's sitting way in front of you. We've all been separated from God by our sin. We've all made foolish choices in our life. We've all made destructive decisions at one time or another in our life. We could all, with just a bit of introspection, probably build a case against ourselves. But I'm here to tell you this morning that no matter what your past is like, today you can begin to pass the mirror test. Not by lying to yourself, not lying about yourself. And not by trying to fool everybody around you. You do it by surrendering yourself. You surrender yourself to the grace of God. And I'm just going to share three things with you today that you might need in order to kind of get there. And if you're not completely comfortable with who you are, if guilt or shame or regret are kind of dogging you and dragging on you, these steps may help. And here's the first thing is decide whose opinion of you really matters. Whose opinion of you really matters? Paul says in verse 10, Am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? See, striving to please men or striving to impress people can lead you to do a bunch of crazy things. Believe me, I I can tell you stories about my teenage years of doing some really stupid things in order to make sure that my friends still like me. Or thought I was really cool. The problem is that when you compromise your integrity, just so other people will accept you, you have a hard time afterwards actually accepting yourself. So today I'm kind of encouraging you to separate yourself from what I would call the hive. You know, all the bees hanging around one place. Get out of the hive for a while. Uh, Get some distance between you and those whose approval you think you need. Take some time to think about whose opinion of you really matters the most. I mean, ask yourself these questions. Who do I need to impress? Whose approval do I really have to earn? Now, as long as there's a name on the list, other than the name of Jesus, I'm going to suggest to you that you're going to have a hard time passing the mirror test. And as long as you feel dependent upon the the approval of someone else, you're always going to be kind of at risk in compromising your commitment to Christ. Now, here's the second thing, and that's to decide whose forgiveness really matters the most. We talked a little bit about that in Bible class this morning, didn't we? I mean, about forgiveness and repentance and things like that. Now, let me take you back to this guy whose story I told you about before. The guy who sometimes having, has trouble sleeping at night. Uh, continued by saying that the hardest part for him has been knowing that some people have a very good reason not to like him at all. In fact, he would even say there are some people who have every right in the world to hate him. This man uh, mismanaged and squandered several million dollars and caused uh, a great deal of financial difficulty for his partners and his investors. In addition to being careless with other people's money, he was also rather careless with his personal life. In fact, his marriage barely survived his several affairs, he said, but not without serious damage. But... And there's always a great but sometimes in scripture He had repented of it He had sought forgiveness from God And he truly believed that God had forgiven him He had also apologized to as many people as he could find He asked for forgiveness But many of them, including many of his family and friends Wanted nothing to do with forgiving him Now, Jesus said that if you're presenting your sacrifice at the altar And you remember that someone has something against you. Go to that person and be reconciled. Now, this man actually took those steps. And he also offered to make restitution to people uh, where he could. But the problems were so big that the damage really could not be completely undone. Let me read a little bit more what he said. He said, I was involved in an affair that led to the breakup of someone else's marriage. How am I supposed to make restitution for that? It's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. These people hate me for a good reason. There are things I've done that I will never be able to fix. I can understand why they refuse to forgive me. Now, understand, this guy has a point. And he's right not to take lightly the gravity of what he has done in his life. But there's an even greater point to be made here. And that's that God's forgiveness trumps everyone else's. Did you hear that? God's forgiveness trumps everyone else's. God's forgiveness of you matters more than anything else in this world. Now, I want to make this very clear. If you have sinned against another person and have created a painful situation for them, you need to ask them for forgiveness. If you've made a mess that's within your power to clean up, clean it up. And if the person that sinned against you forgives you, great. Smile and say, thank you, Jesus. But have you ever been in a situation where you've done those things and the other person refuses to forgive you? I mean, maybe they said, I'm never going to forgive you. Maybe they're going to hold it against you as long as they live. But when that happens, what can you do? So if you've asked for forgiveness and if you've taken the steps to reconcile, if you've done all that you can to make things right and, and they're not ready yet or able yet or willing yet to forgive you, then you need to decide for yourself whose forgiveness matters most to you. Now, what did I say before? God's forgiveness trumps everyone else's forgiveness. See, God forgives you. God forgives me even when we don't deserve it. He forgives us even when everybody else refuses to do it. He forgives you even when the mess you made is so complicated that that it's almost impossible for you to make right. And what I'm I'm saying is, friends, don't give anyone else God's place in the forgiving business. I mean, no matter how wrong you may have been, no matter how right they were to be offended by your actions... Don't give anyone God's place in your life. I mean, God has forgiven you. I mean, Jesus came in this world. Jesus died a violent death on the cross at the hands of his enemies. And he hung on that cross. And when he did, all the sins of the world, including yours and mine, were somehow placed on him. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. God made him who had no sin... To be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What that, this reminds me of is that God has forgiven you. You had a debt that you could not pay. So what did he do? He paid the debt that you could not repay. And his forgiveness matters more than anyone else's in this entire world. Now... I I don't know, many of you probably know this. Maybe you're experiencing it right now, I don't know. But there are some people in this world who will not forgive you for your big sins. They won't even forgive you for your little sins. They won't even forgive you for the slightest slight that you may have inadvertently committed. I mean, I had one person one time tell me that I didn't say hello to them in a big store, and they were going to hold that against me. I didn't even know they said hello. That's why my wife always reminds me to wear my hearing aids. It's going to happen. But once you've made a good faith effort to make things right, the only thing left to do is let it go. Let it go. Embrace God's forgiveness. I mean, he's the one whose forgiveness matters. And it matters more than anyone else's. And here's the third thing. Decide whose plan for your life really matters the most. Paul said, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You ever had anybody in your life that always tries to change you? It's always got a plan for you. Always knows what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. I still remember uh, Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, who said, the best day of their marriage was when I realized it was not my job to change Billy. It was God's. And so I began to pray that God would change him in whatever way would bring God to glory. See, God has forgiven us. And he's made us a bondservant. Now, you might even say, well, I could not be a bondservant of Christ because Jesus said you can't serve two masters. I mean, you can't serve God and money. You can't live to please God and live to please other people. Well, the answer is stop trying to please everybody else. I mean, there's an old joke about a pastor who wanted to do his job really well, so he kept one eye on the Lord and the other eye on the elders, and those two were so far apart that his eyes eventually rolled around to the back of his head. <laughs> now, the mirror check every morning is not a dad check, where you're, if you're not asking yourself, am I doing everything my dad would want me to do? It's not a country club check. I mean, you're not asking yourself, will the direction of my life uh, that I'm taking uh, impress the folks at the country club or the pub or the bowling alley or wherever you like to hang out? It's not even a spouse check. I mean, you're not asking, will my husband or wife give me permission to put God first in my life? The mirror check is a God check, and it's really a gut check. The mirror check is that moment when you take a long, hard look at yourself and say, God, you are my top priority. Being right with you and living for you today is my main objective. Now, I don't get up in the morning and look at my wife and say, this is the day, Nancy, that you have made. I will now be glad and rejoice. No, today is the day that the Lord has made. It's almost like, say, you play to an audience of one. You let go of the past, you let go of what other people might think of you, and even what you might even think of yourself. And you surrender yourself completely to the presence of God in your life. Now, we tend to forget that Paul himself had a past to deal with. Before Paul, you know, when he was Saul, before he became a Christ follower... Uh, he was guilty of murder. He was consenting to the murder of other Christians. And after he became a Christian, uh, he struggled with his sinful nature to the point where he actually said one time that he was the chief of sinners. He's the one who said, you know, all the good stuff I want to do, I can't do it. And all the bad stuff I don't want to do, I keep on doing that. And then he has that powerful sentence where he says, what a wretched man I am. You ever looked in the mirror and said that? See, he suffered through a great deal of conflict in his ministry. And there were many people in the church who didn't like him. I have a pastor friend who says his biggest, his biggest problem is hoping that everybody in church likes him. I said, good luck. I'm not sure everybody in my family likes me sometimes. Well, here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 4. He said, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that, does not make me that, but that does make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. See, there is no way you can be honest with yourself about who you are, what you've done, and still pass the mirror check. Unless you know the grace of God. Without the grace of God, the past never lets up. The past never lets you go. But the Bible says that God has taken all of your misdeeds, all of your sins, all of your past, and then he has dumped them into the sea of forgetfulness. And then somebody said, once God takes your sins and dumps them into the middle of the sea, he puts up a sign that says, no fishing. Because the devil would like to take you back on a fishing trip. See, it's gone. All that remains is what? Today. So when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Well, my prayer is that you will see a man or a woman who daily determines to live this day in the presence of God. My prayer is that when you look in the mirror, you will see yourself as chosen of God and cherished by him. My prayer is that you would see in yourself the scars of yesterday and that you will realize that those scars are all that remains of the past that God has washed clean and that he's chosen to forgive Once and for all, now and forever. My prayer is that when you look in the mirror, you will see yourself surrendered to God this day. That you will see yourself as his servant to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do today, you will see yourself as his bondservant, eager to do whatever he asks you to do. My prayer is that all of us would pass this mirror check and that you'll realize that you didn't get there on your own. It's God's grace that makes this day your day. So do you want to pass the mirror check today, tomorrow, and the next day? Maybe here's a little phrase that you can remember at the beginning of each day. Embrace God's grace and seek his face. You probably remember that. Embrace God's grace and seek his face. Let's just say that all together once. Embrace God's grace and seek his face. But you know, here's the paradox. Here's the paradox. Being okay with who you are doesn't come down to who you think of yourself. It comes down to what you choose to believe about yourself Based on what God has already said about you And God has said You are my chosen You are my cherished You are my forgiven You are my servant So don't listen to the world Don't listen to the devil Don't listen to your enemies And please don't listen to your own lying heart Instead, listen to what God says. You can't undo yesterday, but this is what you can do today. Embrace God's grace and seek his face. May God grant that to us all. Amen.